Welcome to the Living by Faith podcast. My name is Josh Tegrote, and this is episode number seven. Thanks for checking it out. This is a podcast where we look at current news and events, theology, practical issues, and a bit of history, all from the perspective of the Christian's life of faith in Christ. I hope you find it encouraging. Let's get started. I want to talk about uh, something that's been happening more and more uh, here in recent days, and that's the muting of voices that seem to be out of step with the powers that be. YouTube and Facebook, two of the largest gatekeepers of information in our society, have taken it upon themselves to be our protectors against harmful messages and what they deem as misinformation. And when you realize that there are 2.6 billion active users on Facebook and 1.3 billion people watching YouTube videos, you realize that this is a lot of power for these gatekeepers who also see themselves as our protectors. There are a couple of examples I want to bring up. One is a video that seemed to have been blocked because it goes against the narrative pushed by the mainstream media and the medical establishment regarding COVID-19. And the other was uh, a video shut down because it openly addressed the the COVID-19 pandemic, looking at the scriptures to help us understand God, this present pandemic, and what our response ought to be. Both videos were blocked, probably for different reasons, but the important point is that more and more dissenting voices are silenced. The first example is of a press conference that two California doctors held. They called local reporters to their facility in order to share their findings from their local coronavirus testing. They also went through a whole bunch of data that's publicly available, scientific data. Um, They challenged the mandated lockdowns in California and across the country, and even questioned the motives of government officials in charge. They, They questioned, is this about science or is this about control? The YouTube video quickly went viral. I mean, it amassed over 5 million views in just a matter of days. And YouTube went into action and, and blocked the video. These, now, these two men are not amateurs. They're not just throwing around their unfounded ideas or opinions. They were going through publicly available data from the CDC and from other uh, public agencies. They're also doctors who understand the immune system and virology and are simply looking around and looking at the public data and saying, what is going on? And why was the video taken down? Well, one of the doctors, when asked in an interview, didn't know for sure, but we can connect the dots. I don't think it's hard to figure out why. We have an interview from the CEO of YouTube in which she went on record saying that any video that goes against the guidance of the WHO, that is the World Health Organization, will be blocked. And you might be thinking, the WHO, isn't that the, the organization that's in cahoots with the Chinese Communist Party? And that would be, that'd be the same WHO. Um, in fact, the, the, the WHO may even be China's accomplice in covering up the early spread of the virus in and from China. So it begs the question, is this about science or something else? And that seems to be the driving force or motivation of these doctors. They're testing as doctors, as scientists, and more and more public data that they were reading was showing that the virus is far more widespread and far less deadly than originally thought, even perhaps on par with the yearly influenza virus. And yet everything was being closed down, and closed down with no end in sight. Well, for YouTube, that was asking too many questions, that was getting, uh, that was pressing the envelope too much, that was going against the guidance of the WHO, and therefore their video needed to be shut down.
The second example that I want to share today is of, should be of special interest to Christians. It's an audio version of John Piper's book entitled Coronavirus and Christ that was put out on YouTube. The audio v- version of the book was released on YouTube and was, was listened to widely, and, but again was taken down. I think there, there, it was listened to almost 200,000 times before it was taken down. Now, of course, it wasn't taken down because it went against WHO guidance, but it was taken down because of its clear biblical teaching that is out of step with modern sensibilities. Now, this, this shouldn't surprise us. In fact, I think we're going to see this more and more. YouTube didn't say which parts of the book violated their community standards or what community standards were violated. But if you read the book, it's not hard to see which parts may have violated community standards for YouTube or certainly violate modern sensibilities. In the book, John Piper makes plain the biblical teaching of God's sovereign control over nature, over disasters, plagues, pandemics, and so forth. He also makes the biblical case that this present pandemic is God's judgment on sinful humanity. Then he makes the clear statement and clearly affirms the biblical teaching that homosexual sex is sin. And near the end of the book, Piper says the coronavirus is a call for repentance to all of us to bring our lives into alignment with the infinite worth of Jesus. Now, most Christians would not disagree with any of these things. In other words, John Piper's book affirms biblical Christianity. It speaks of the sovereign God as the ruler of all of his creation. It speaks of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of course, he also holds out the hope of the gospel for anyone who would trust in Christ. But because it violated YouTube's community standards, it had to go. Again, we should not be surprised when we see these things. Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So we shouldn't be surprised. But it should be a wake-up call. This is the environment in which we are called to be witnesses of Christ. Our primary mission in the world is to witness to Jesus. And this is the society in which we live, where things like the, where the message of Christ is not going to be accepted, where the message of who God is and what sin is and calling people to repentance is going to be despised. It's going to be hated. Jesus said it would. And yet the gospel of Jesus Christ, which calls every man everywhere to repent, though it's threatening, must be preached if people are to be saved. The next section is the catechesis section. For centuries, Christians gave themselves to the practice of learning the doctrines of the Christian faith by by way of a catechism. The word catechesis simply means to teach orally or to instruct by word of mouth. And I'm, I'm of the persuasion that this practice is sorely missed in our day. I think it would benefit the church tremendously to go back to this practice and to systematically learn the doctrines of the Christian faith. And so I want to do my part by promote, to promote this practice of catechesis. So what I'm doing is I'm going through a new catechism called the New City Catechism. It's a modern catechism. It borrows from some ancient tried and true creeds and confessions and puts it in more modern language in the form of 52 questions and answers with scripture, so one for each week. You can actually download the app app for free on your phone, and one really slick part of this app is there's a children's mode. So if you have young kids you wanna teach this to, 
you can uh, put it in children's mode and it gives shorter answers for young kids. So New City Catechism, we are on question and answer number seven this week. Question seven is this, what does the law of God require? The answer, personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience, that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done. Kind of a long answer, but let's just break it down briefly. Personal obedience, not just outward submission, but personal obedience. This, this kind of outward submission or outward obedience alone was the problem of the Pharisees. They, they looked good on the outside, but in, inwardly they were, they were filthy. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. They, the outside was washed clean, but in, inwardly they were like dead men's bones. The law of God requires inward, happy submission of our minds and hearts. It also requires perfect obedience, not just personal, but perfect obedience. So obedience without spot, without spot or blemish. And it also requires perpetual obedience. So not obedience just for a day or a week or even a year, but ongoing without end. Now, of course, the law is summed up in loving God and loving our neighbor. And we're to do this personally, perfectly, and perpetually. Now, every honest person who hears this says, uh-oh, because we know that we fall short. One of the main purposes of the law is to show us the righteous nature and character of God, show us our sin and our need for a savior. Only the Lord Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law perfectly, and he has done it not for himself because he was already perfect. He did it for us. He did it for all who look to him in faith. And when we receive Christ and and receive forgiveness through Christ, then we have this new life and new strength in order to obey the command to love God and love neighbor and thus fulfill the law of God in and through Christ. The the passage for this question and answer number seven is from Matthew 22. It's verses 37 to 40. And it says, And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In the history section, I want to continue the discussion from last week about the Protestant Reformation. Last week, I unpacked what's called the five solas of the Reformation. This week and next, I want to take a little more time and discuss two of them in more detail. This week, I want to look at sola fide, or faith alone. Remember, the the Protestant Reformation started when Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the castle door in Wittenberg. But it was two years later that Luther actually understood the gospel and was converted. And what he understood was the truth, the central truth of sola fide. Up until that point, Luther thought that the only way to be right with a righteous God was to achieve a righteousness through one's works. Now, at this time, Martin Luther was a monk, and by his own account, he was the most monkish monk you could find anywhere. He was meticulously seeking to achieve his own righteousness, and he was miserable in all his efforts. He, 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 he 
told about how he would be in the confessional for hours, racking his heart, trying to figure out every sin that he had committed since the day before when he was in the confessional. He would fast more than any of the other monks. He would read his Bible more than the other monks. He would beat his body more than any of the other monks. And all of this in order to achieve a righteousness. He was miserable because in all of his efforts, he still knew he didn't measure up to God's standards. So it was in, it was in 1519 that Martin Luther was studying the book of Romans and the phrase, the righteousness of God, stuck him like a thorn in his side. Because the only way he could understand that phrase was that the righteousness of God is the righteousness through which God punished sinners. And of course, this shows that Luther understood the central premise of the book of Romans, especially the early chapters. And the premise is this, or I should say the question is this, how can a sinner be made right with a righteous God? Well, he was studying the book of Romans in the first chapter and came to verse 17, which reads this, for in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Luther meditated and focused on this verse for a long time, and he said in his own words, I beat on Paul to understand what he meant. And finally, by God's grace, God opened up his eyes and he understood the gospel. He understood that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God by God giving righteousness as a gift to be, to be received passively by faith in Christ alone, apart from works of the law. And when the light bulb went on for Luther, and Here's how he described his conversion. He said this, quote, It was as if the gates of paradise were swung open to me, and I was born again, end quote. Righteousness received by faith, not achieved by human effort. Received by faith, not achieved by human effort. And here is what this means. At the moment a sinner repents and believes in Christ, at that very moment before he has done any good work, he is declared righteous or justified by God for all time. Martin Luther used the Latin phrase to describe this. The Latin phrase is simul justus et peccator, meaning at the same time righteous and sinner. And here's this is an important truth because the moment a sinner believes in Christ, he is declared righteous before God, in Christ, and yet in himself, he is still a sinner. And this is good news for you and I, because we are declared righteous through faith in Christ alone, and yet in ourselves, we are still sinners. We still sin. We don't want to, we don't like it, but we do. Well, this message took Europe by storm. In the, in the 1500s and early 1600s, and you can understand why. The entire continent was living under the dark cloud of Roman Catholic superstition and sacramentalism, and there was no peace with God. So this message that Luther rediscovered came like a river of refreshing water to souls, and scores received it with joy. This gospel 
must continue to be proclaimed and heralded by Christians everywhere. For the same fundamental problem is faced by every human being on the face of the earth. And it's this, how can a righteous God be gracious to sinners? We do not achieve a righteousness before God through our effort and work, but we receive the gift of righteousness through faith in Christ alone, or sola fide. Thanks again for listening to the Living by Faith podcast. If you found it helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all.